Welcome to Montview Church. We are glad you are here with us today. This morning, the youth will be leading worship for both 8.30 and 11 a.m. services. There are three announcements in your insert that we'd like to highlight. Today, after the 11 a.m. service, there will be a listening session in the McCall room. Our elders will be present to hear your thoughts or questions about the church. The Spring Westminster Choir Concert will be next Sunday, April 22nd at 4 p.m. We hope you'll invite friends to attend with you. The Mom Time Group is for moms with children of all ages. This Thursday evening, Mom Time will be having dinner together. See the insert for details. There are many more cool things going on in Mountain View. Read your insert carefully. We hope you will find something to participate in. My name is Lynn Hederich, and I bring you this morning's Minute for Mission. When most of us think of Nepal, the Himalaya and Mount Everest immediately come to mind. For me, it's a place where I'm a different person. More like the youth we'll feel from this morning, I feel curious, humble, open-hearted. Life seems more raw, authentic, and vulnerable. Friendships are often made through shared experience, not language. Connections are profound, and goodbyes are tearjerkers. Montview's capital campaign investments in Nepal are foundational to our deep relationships. Children are cared for compassionately at our pediatric ward at Potton Hospital. Severely malnourished children and their families have a beacon of hope at the Nutritional Rehabilitation Home. Subsistence farmers' incomes are multiplied many-fold when they grow off-season cash crops thanks to training and water systems supported by our church. Congregation and community members numbering around 200 have traveled together halfway around the world, returning with lives changed and intertwined, with memories that bind them in friendships for life. Our service projects nurture relationships that not only awaken us, but have life-changing impact on our Nepali partners. Whether it's Habitat for Humanity, Women's Homeless Initiative, Ipodorok in Mexico, or service trip to Nepal, or one of the many other missions that Montview supports, please join us in the amazing fraternity that is Mission at Montview. There are two opportunities this month to hear more about our Nepal experiences. Info is in your bulletin, and we hope you'll join us. Thank you. Now, please join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. Jesus showed us love and peace. The Spirit guides us constantly and patiently. God watches over us with gentleness and faithfulness.
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not within us. We know our God is a listening God, and we can bring our sins before God's presence. Let us say together the corporate confession printed in the bulletin. Gracious God, you have given us freedom to follow in your way or ours. You ask us to love our neighbor, but we love ourselves instead. You ask us to show generosity, but instead you show greed. You show us patience and kindness as we wander in our lives. We give thanks to God for the love he has given us through Jesus Christ. May we always know that God is there and that we are indeed forgiven. Thanks be to God. show this peace amongst each other. Please greet your neighbor with the peace of God be with you.
Hey guys, notice anything different about today? It, it is, there are flags up different. Well, that is different, but not that. Uh, the bells? That also is different, but not that. The teenagers all be waiting. It's Youth Sunday. Do you know what that is? Well, it's when the youth lead the entire worship service. We are all teenagers. How old are you guys? Seven. Five. Five and a half. Seven. When you when you're when you are in when you are in youth group you will be able to do this too. How many of you would like to preach a sermon? Raise your hand. Wow, that's a lot of people. All right, guys, better get practicing. See you again next year. Bye. Let us say together the prayer for illumination printed in the bulletin. May we roll the stones away from the hidden places in our lives, revealing the light, life, and love you have for us. Amen. Our scripture reading today is Galatians 5.22 to 6.2. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this you will fulfill the law of Christ.
Hello, my name is Jesse Aldridge. I'm a senior at Thomas Jefferson High School and I will be attending Colorado State in the fall. I've learned a whole bunch of things in my life. I know how to solve physics problems, analyze literature, drive a car, breathe, apply to college, and cook craft easy macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I was taught these things by my teachers, my parents, or my peers. Nothing teaches the soul better than a well-articulated and powerful story. Our world is full of them, from a fast tortoise, to an orphan with magic powers who saves his world, to the myths of our classical times. These tales all have a singular purpose, inspire. They teach us lessons through the characters and the plot lines in the arc of the hero. Some of the lessons we learn are to be patient, like the tortoise. Other lessons we learn have a much deeper effect on our mind. They teach us how to live freely, teach us how to work with others, teach us about our deepest psychological emotions. Life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not. One of the most legendary quotes from an already legendary TV show. You might be surprised when I tell you that this is from a children's show. Pretty deep quote for a television series meant for second graders. The show is Avatar The Last Airbender, which focuses on the quest of the protagonist, Aang. The innocent child who possesses all of the powers in his world who has to fight the overbearing and evil Fire Lord. Along the way, he makes friends, studies and learns more about himself and the world around him. He befriends a flying monkey, but most importantly, he matures into a leader and an idol. At the end of the show, he is not the naive child he was. Instead, he is an inspiration. The hero's journey, found in almost all narratives, echoes Aang's quest to save the world. But I'm getting off topic. Where were we, the fruits of the spirit? But am I? As Schuyler said, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, etc. After binge-watching many shows, I realized that not just Aang, but many heroes symbolize these fruits of the Spirit. They taught me what love was, not just toward one person, but to everyone. They taught me not just how to be kind, but the effects of being kind. Thinking back on it, I had no clue to what extent simple animations could affect the morality, the judgment, the goodness within our next generation. This isn't just Aang, this isn't just Harry Potter. All authors of children's stories highlight these qualities of these characters, illuminating the goodness to, within to teach and inspire. 
With adult stories, the characters have multiple drives and forces affecting them, both good and bad, which adds to the realisticness and meaning of the whole work, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. The stories that influence children aren't the ones with deception and drama. They are the ones with the corny jokes, the cute animals, and the ones that teach them the critical thinking. Even though the stories are diluted, the characters have even more of an influence on the audience. The fruits of the spirit are the qualities we strive for as humans, to be joyful and to be loving. The similarities between the traits of a child hero and the fruits of the spirit got me thinking. Maybe there might be something hiding within the philosophy of being a child and the way that they see the world, especially when thrust into an unfavorable, unfavorable position. Even when giving the chance to kill his arch rival, the evil villain, our hero decided it would be better to let him live. He spent his whole life restoring peace unto the world, but he knows as well as we do that every life matters. The attitudes that these kids possess can most of the time be annoying, shout out to my parents. But maybe, just maybe, the young hero will have the heart of the avatar, not just kind on the outside, but on the inside. It doesn't have to be the hero in the show. It could be the classmate sitting next to you or the kid lost in the supermarket. So what I want you to take away from this is not only to 100% watch this show, but that maybe the secret to finding the fruits that we search for are hidden in plain sight. You just might have to look down to find them. Good morning. My name is Caroline Ellsworth, and I am a senior at Denver East High School. Next fall, I will be attending Rhodes College. Ancient Greek legends tell the story of Atlas, an illustrious titan who led a battle against the gods. All of the titans ultimately lost, but Zeus picked a special punishment for Atlas, as he was the group's leader. He was forced to literally hold the weight of the world on his shoulders for all of eternity by himself. And sometimes I think I know what Atlas must feel like. Growing up in the age of media, it can feel like the world is constantly pressing down on us. The news of school shootings and natural disasters, pain and suffering appearing on our phones with a casual buzz and a careless notification. We observe one another's each and every move through our social media accounts, numb to the real emotions we share and held hostage to the concept that our lives are lacking in comparison to the virtual ones of our friends. That's an awful lot to hold up alone. In our hurt and frustration, we tend to isolate ourselves, insistent upon experiencing pain alone. Seeing this, author John Koenig set off on a seemingly absurd quest. He wanted to create and consolidate what he coined the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, a collection dedicated solely to the formation of words for specific feelings of sadness that didn't yet have names, some silly and entertaining and others irrefutably sincere. Although they may seem foreign, you'd be surprised at how profoundly relatable many of the words are. Anyone who's ever been to a national park can probably relate to the sensation of Vimodolin, defined as the frustration of photographing something amazing when thousands of identical photos already exist. The same sunset, the same waterfall, the same curve of a hip, the same close-up of an eye, 
which can turn a unique subject into something hollow and pulpy and cheap, like a mass-produced piece of furniture you happen to have assembled yourself. Anyone who's ever watched the news can relate to the experience of anecdote, a conversation in which everyone is talking, but no one is listening, simply overlaying disconnected words like a game of Scrabble, with each player borrowing bits of other anecdotes as a way to increase their own score until they all run out of things to say. And just about every senior in high school can relate to the feeling of atomania, the sense that the future is arriving ahead of schedule, that all those years with fantastical names like 2013 are bursting from their hypothetical cages into the arena of the present, furiously bucking the grip of your expect expectations while you lean and slip in your saddle, one hand reaching for the reins, the other waving up high like a school kid who finally knows the answer to the question. Upon hearing these, many would assume that Koenig created the most depressing dictionary ever. Yet, he would beg to differ. Koenig argues that the knowledge that other people experience and struggle with the same exact feelings of sadness is a powerful healing experience, exposing us to a system of support and a sense of normality. To him, having words to describe universal feelings is the first step to understanding and resolving them. Having words is a way to share the burden of those emotions. We have become so resistant to vulnerability, attempting to exude strength and perfection in all aspects of our lives, and in doing so, we condemn ourselves to Atlas's fate. We are so proud that we place the heavens on our own shoulders and refuse to accept help until we can't bear to hold them up any longer, and by then it is too late. In the midst of the opioid epidemic, Americans everywhere are searching for some kind of reason why. Why would people turn to such desperate measures and why can't they escape from their clutches? Author Johan Hari attempts to answer this question in his bestseller, Chasing the Scream, where he details an experiment that took place on rats. A rat was placed in a cage with two bottles of water, one which was pure and the other which was laced with heroin. Unsurprisingly, the rat would choose the drug water almost 100% of the time. The test was later recreated, except this time the cage wasn't empty. It was full of activities and friends and food for the rat, and this time, almost 100% of the time, the rat wouldn't care about the drugged water in the least. The opposite of addiction, Hari argues, is not sobriety as we once believed. It's connection. To him, the opioid epidemic is a reaction to a culture that has become so disconnected that many feel they have no other choice. This phenomenon isn't a terminal sentence. It's a warning. A warning of the dangers of holding on to our pain alone, of trying to hold the weight of the world on our shoulders when there are so many around us to help. A reminder to offer ourselves to others. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The Bible tells us that we don't have to be like Atlas. We can bear one another's burdens by driving connectivity and fostering kinship. Reach out, share your time and energy. Finding our connections is the first step to finding our grace, our passions, and ourselves. Finding our connections is the first step towards finding God.
Hi, my name is Abby Harder and I'm a senior at Denver East High School and next year in the fall I will be taking a gap year. When I was younger, I would go to this berry patch farm where you could pick, pick and eat all the raspberries your heart desired. I would always go and eat as many as I could, but I soon regretted it every time. It sounds like a great idea to be surrounded by your favorite fruits constantly, but sometimes too much of your favorite things can be sickening. If raspberries were the quality of joy, blueberries were self-control, and mangoes were the love for others, we would eat them all the time. But like our favorite things, they're our favorites because we don't get to have them all the time. If we did, we would get sick of them and the taste would be overpowering. As humans, we aspire to love, be joyful, have peace, be patient, be faithful, be gentle, and exhibit self-control. We consider these traits to be the fruits of the Spirit. We like to think that we can just tell ourselves to show kindness all the time and like that, magic, it will happen. Isn't it easy to say that I'm going to be a good person and that I'll show all these qualities all the time? Growing up, we're taught to embody all of these things. We've grown up in a society that deems anything but these qualities unacceptable. I'm sure that no one person all the time can be loving and joyful, be at peace and have patience, be gentle and have faith, and at the same time have self-control. Throughout our days, weeks, and months, we cycle through these qualities, and many times we can be caught in some bad ones as well. God made us in his image, so like us, he experienced human feelings of sadness and anger. When Moses brought the Israelites to the land of Canaan, the Holy Land, he sent 12 spies in. The spies came back with many wonderful things, but said that the people of Canaan were too big and too strong. The Israelites lost their faith in God and didn't believe that they could win over the people of Canaan. God got angry that his people didn't trust him and told Moses to take them back into the wilderness and make them wander for 40 more years. God doesn't always feel full of love and joy. He shows us that he also feels anger, and he made us so that we have this emotion too. If love, joy, peace, patience, faith, gentleness, and self-control were bananas, raspberries, grapes, it would be hard to eat and enjoy all of them at the same time. We have to balance these out with other things like anger and sadness so that we appreciate the fruits of the Spirit that much more. We all have these amazing qualities that God has given us, but we can't express them all at the same time, and that's okay. The book of Galatians teaches us that God loves us through our bad and good times. He made us in his image that we experience all emotions, not just the good ones. So next time you're angry or sad and feel like you shouldn't be, know that God loves you no matter what. Hi, I'm Anna McCollum, and I'm a senior at Cherry Creek High School. And I was, I was, as I was thinking about this scripture, I was thinking about how we all try to live our lives through the fruit of the Spirit. We say we strive to live in joy, live in love, live in kindness, and sometimes this becomes a challenge for us. It's as if the common circumstance of life getting hard is enough of a reason to forget everything we usually strive to live by. This has become very clear to me over the past couple of years. The stress of both the junior and senior years of high school changed the way peers act with each other. The kindness falls away, joy dissipates, the love they once lived by is nowhere to be found. In those final years of high school, we are constantly waiting in a pool of judgment. Everything we do is scrutinized, both by ourselves and by others. With the threat of college decisions lying around the corner, we worry about whether we'll succeed or fail at every minute task we take on. 
Will failing my test take my A to a B, and will that B make my GPA too low so I won't get into college? If I'm not president of four, maybe five clubs, how will colleges know that I'm a success? We are constantly judging ourselves and judging others, trying to see if we as individuals have what it takes to be successful human beings. We lose touch with the spirit of God, and because of this, we have to try to be kind or try to be joyful, try to be loving, rather than just being kind, joyful, and loving. We have to just get through life rather than simply living it. I think that when we are truly connected to God, we don't have to try so hard to be living through love and joy. We can simply transfer that love and joy from God's spirit to the world around us. We have to learn how to stay grounded, how to stay connected to God, even when times are hard. We have to find relief through our connection with God, and we can live through the fruit of the Spirit to be those loving, joyful people we aspire to be. When we are in touch with God, we're much more in touch with ourselves. We're better able to understand our strengths as well as our weaknesses in balance, rather than finding that negative, stressful place that we feel when we're judging ourselves too harshly or we're judging others too harshly. With God by our sides, we know that we, along with everyone else, are good enough as we are because we are ourselves. And this shows up in the scripture with the words, since we, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Recovering our connection with God is usually done by recovering our awareness. When we're aware, we can be aware of ourselves, aware of the state of the world around us, aware of the present moment. For example, I usually find this awareness doing something I love, something that grounds me, like running or playing tennis. The quiet that surrounds me, especially on a run, allows me to be conscious of where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm feeling. And when we're aware of our personal states, we don't feel quite so suffocated by the stress or pressure we might feel otherwise. Instead, we can let that stress fall away and live in the present moment through the compassion and joy of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Mobview. My name is Charlie Heth, and I'm a senior at Denver East High School, and will be attending Colorado State University this fall. I have been a member of this church for as long as I can remember. As some of you may know, I run sound for my school. This accidental decision led to one of my biggest activities in all of high school. I joined a class my freshman year, and after maybe six months of learning from another student, I thought I'd mastered it all. For two whole years, I pretended like I was the best at everything in the category, that I was the expert on the soundboard at the school. I ignored the fact that there was another techie who put in more work into sound than I did through those years. They did basically everything, almost single-handedly did all the work for the shows. I then came in, worked the show, and took all the credit for it. Everyone in the school thought that I was the mastermind behind it all, including me. I thought I was the pro the one and the only sound head. I gave them credit for some things, but in reality, they did everything except run the show, until hairspray at the end of my junior year. Nearing the show opening, I was told by the teacher that the other person had requested to run the board for the show, and that I would be changing mics backstage. At the time, I thought nothing of it. I thought it would be a simple job with nothing to worry about. Man, was I wrong. 
Changing Mike's backstage for that show was single-handedly the most emotionally challenging roadblock I encountered in all of high school. This task that seemed so simple when I was told about it, the thing that the other person was in charge for for all of, for all of the prior shows, ended up being more difficult than my normal job at the board. But even still, I acted like a know-it-all. I even pretended to know things to my own peers who were learning from a professional audio engineer who knew I didn't know those things. This chain of events snowballed through into the beginning of my senior year. Something changed over that summer break. I suddenly was willing to learn from my own peers. Most importantly, the person who had done all of the work for the past shows. On the first day of school, I went up to them and apologized for my actions over the past two years. They admitted to me that they had a grudge on me over those years. After that day, I became one of the more dedicated tech students, going from my, one of my teacher's least favorite students who slacked off instead of worked in class to one of her favorites. She even ended up writing me a letter of recommendation for my college admission, admission process. Now, you might be wondering, how does this in any way relate to the Bible? This story not only relates to the Bible, but even more specifically relates to the Galatians reading from today. In the section 25 to 26, it states, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become concited, provoking, and envying of each other. This is basically a more spiritual and direct way to say exactly what happened to me through Sound East. I became concited with my skills, something I should have not been super proud of. I provoked others by being so full of myself all the time, when the others were the ones who actually worked and made the shows good. I even in a way envied others, looking into their group as an outcast. I saw their powerful friendships and great connections, all of which came through working a show together. I never really understood why I wasn't a part of it until I inserted myself into the process. Now they're some of my best friends who are on my side through hard times. They're the most real friends I have who legitimately care about me, who I am, and that I am safe. In short, I have opened up myself to learn from others. I have stopped caring about my image to the rest of the school, and I'm now caring about the others who care about me, my techie family. Hello, my name is Luke Newrider. I'm a senior at Denver East High School and will be attending Swarthmore College next fall. Um, when told what the focus of today's service would be, I had several ideas of what to speak about, but the idea that seemed to fit the best was one of the many lessons that I've learned from being a younger sibling. Now, being the youngest isn't always as easy as people say. Yes, my parents were supposedly less strict with me, but being the youngest comes with its own hardships. For example, my siblings still received colorfully wrapped gifts on Christmas morning well into their 20s. I, on the other hand, stopped receiving presents from Santa around 16. This is a common trend when it comes to showering in the morning, applying to college, going to college. Older siblings come first. They set the expectation and the baseline. Now the worst part about being a younger sibling is the comparisons. This is especially true in my family. Both my brother and sister set an example of excellence in everything they did. Sports, speech, school. They excelled at each. Following my brother's footsteps to East, I felt as if every action was compared to what he had done. For years, I compared myself to him, always trying to best him 
or prove that I was just as good. And in many respects, I did. I participated and excelled in many of the same things he had. Yet the fulfillment I seeked was still missing. Despite my best efforts in emulating my siblings' achievements, I was unsatisfied. In my own eyes, I was not good enough compared to my siblings. It took until my junior year to realize what I had been doing wrong. For all the time I spent trying to best my brother, I failed to realize that I was trying to be more him than me. The focus of my efforts was emulation instead of creation. When I spent my time comparing and competing to be better than my siblings, I wasted opportunities to understand and appreciate who I was. Only after I ceased to compare myself to others did I begin to feel fulfilled with what I was doing. I found that after I ceased to participate simply to be my brother, I found a different meaning in what I did. In addition, I was vastly more successful after I stopped caring about being compared to my siblings. I came to realize that this experience is my own. If I were to let it be constantly compared to others, it would forever be tainted. With respect to today's lesson, I feel that this means that God loves everyone for who they are. Everyone is truly unique. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying once one another. If we spend our time chasing dreams of being something or someone we are not, we will never find a meaning in our actions. Nothing we do is ever enough when compared to others' achievements. Comparing ourselves to others only leads to disappointment and dissatisfaction. God loves you for being you, so why not be the best version of you you can be?
Holy Spirit, form Christ in us, deep within us. Move us in such a way that we never recover from it. Help us bear fruit that reflects Jesus' life so that we reflect Jesus' life to others. Cultivate in us love, unselfish, generous, other-centered love that expects nothing in return. Work in us joy, tangible, contagious joy that doesn't flee when trials come. Grant us peace, 
transforming peace that comforts beyond words, fills with patience, enduring, hopeful patience that always leads to graceful actions. Grow in us kindness, thoughtful, serving kindness that seeks to bless others. Stir in us goodness, generous, humble goodness that pursues harmony in all things. Further in us faithfulness, unbending, trusting faithfulness that isn't shaken by storms. Clothe us with gentleness, meek, contrite gentleness that considers others before self. Develop in us self-control, wise, aware self-control that thinks before it acts. Holy Spirit, we don't want to act out of emotion or whimsy. We want to pursue the bearing of this fruit because of the promise that you will make us more like Jesus. And as you move us in and towards Christ's likeness, and now, let us say together the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, has given us so much. Let us give back a portion of what we have received in today's offering.
Okay, it works. <laughs> Please join me in the prayer of dedication found in your bulletin. God, you have so greatly loved us, long sought us, and mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills, and our works, a continual thank offering to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The story of the Bible is a story of journey and transition. It is a story of love and growth. My View Church, you have watched these seniors grow over their entire lives right before your eyes, and you have loved them. Let us affirm that love by saying together the senior blessing that is printed in your bulletin. You were a part of your parents' life even before before they held you for the first time. You were all planned for and thought about in different ways. You were born in different countries, cities, and zip codes. You have attended various schools and approached life in magnificent and unique ways. And yet God has led all of you here now. God formed you in the womb. God called you as you own, your own. You were made in the image of God. You were born into our lives and raised before our eyes. 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked to the shore of the Jordan River to be baptized with the masses. Our Lord and Savior, God incarnate, came to the same rushing water to be baptized as us. Jesus told his disciples to go into the world baptizing people in his name. 2,000 years later, you as kicking and swarming children were baptized, and this church promised to love you, care for you, and raise you in this church. This water is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. You were baptized in our presence. We have and we will carry out the baptismal promise. Just as the father rushed out to meet the prodigal son, this church will always be waiting for you with open arms. If you are gone for months, or years at a time, the doors will always be open to you with an abundant love waiting inside. You have walked the halls of this church, you have learned in these rooms, and you have sang in these, this sanctuary. And this is a place that you can always call home. We have watched you grow, picked you up when you fell, and loved you as our own. We will be here for you always. Class of 2018, this church loves you and will always be here for you. Thank you for everything that you have done to make this church a better place. Let us now together in one voice stand and sing our final hymn, La Hila, which is printed in our bulletin.
May the, trans may the transforming love of God work in your lives today and always. May the peace of Christ teach you about patience and generosity. May the Holy Spirit surround you in peaceful fellowship. You are called to go out these doors and show the love of Jesus Christ to one another. As you leave these doors, go out into the world knowing you are loved. And may God bless you until we meet again.